hi folks. Um, today is my first foray into the uh, the New South Wales Community Independence State Election, and what I reckon is that uh, the, my guest Victoria Davidson is probably one of the top, if not the top, chance to to knock over a Liberal in the very safe seat of Lane Cove. Um, hello, Victoria. Hi, Margot. How are you? I'm pretty good. Um, I, I interviewed um, Denise and um, and Kristen last year, and they were revving up to try and mm-hmm. find a candidate um, from a from a standing start, and they found you. So, <laughs> uh, how did a um, a podiatrist uh, with three three young children uh, who'd never been involved in a informal politics before and always voted Liberal because she like Gladys, how on earth am I talking to you as uh, <laughs> as the candidate for Lane, Lane Cove? Uh, Margo, that's a very good question. And I have to say, if I pinch myself, I can't. Um, yeah, I would never expect it to see myself here. Just to clarify, I'm not a podiatrist. My husband is. Mm-hmm. Um, he, We have two practices. I'm a lawyer by training and a mediator, mm-hmm. but I've been running our business for the last 12 years. Um, but I'm not a clinician. How did I get here? Look, I... I've always been interested in politics. Um, I'm a, you know, my first degree was history, so I'm interested in how societies work and how people interact in that space. Um, and I've, you know, a bit of a political tragic in that election night, be it federal or state, is always a very exciting night. I think um, I'm possibly not in the majority thinking that. And so, yeah. yeah. Follow politics. I've always voted below the line in the upper house or the Senate. First thing I did when I turned 18 was enrol to vote. I think that's very important. I'll just pause for the dog if you. What, what, what's her name or his name? His name is Max, but I'll just tell him to be quiet. Okay. <laughs> so sorry about that. That does. doesn't matter. Love it. <laughs> He, whenever I get on the phone, it's like a child. They want your attention. Mm. Um, so I, I was, um, I remember talking to people about why can't we have a Zali in our federal seat, you know. Um, and then I had followed Denise on Twitter and she had a, uh, she put something up one day saying, if you see me in one of my T-shirts, come and say hi. And she was wearing a um, the Liberal Party's over T-shirt. And I did. I saw her in. Woolies, Lane Cove, and I barreled up to her and I had a chat. She probably thought, who's this odd woman hassling me in aisle three of Woolworths? Uh, but we had a great chat and that got me involved in Voices of North Sydney. I went to some of their events. And ah. Ex- yeah. And so then I was very excited when they um, found Kylie and I did peripherally get involved in her campaign. I had a T-shirt, had a call float on the house. I did some volunteering. I did election day. Um and that was just such an amazing experience, mm. you know, to meet all these people who had the same hope and enthusiasm and optimism that we could change things. That was, oh, <laughs> instead of being frustrated and feeling that the issues we had were um, no one was listening, to know there was a whole group of people out there who thought and felt the same way. And on election day, when we're packing up and we're, you know, there was this real camaraderie. It was like, oh, well, next state, we've got to take on Anthony Roberts. Um, 
I did not even think it would be me um, back in May at all. Um, but as I watched to see who they were going to find to, to run in this seat, um, you know, one day I just thought, oh, why don't I just ask? I'll, I'll just send an email and we'll have a chat. And, and we started having a chat and, it, you know, it went on over quite a short period of time actually because time was pressing. It was end of October last year and, you know, they were checking me out, I was checking them out and um, huge amount of trust on both sides and, yeah, we aligned and, and, and then they asked me to do this, which is, I have to say, one of the greatest honours of my life, very humbling to be around these volunteers who are some of the most amazing people I've ever met. Like no matter what happens on the 25th of March, I feel like I have won because I have connected with my community in a way that I hadn't imagined and I have met people who are really inspiring. Can Um, I back up a little bit? When you say you were frustrated with politics, hmm. what were the big issues for you that you were frustrated about? What, what, hmm. what, what got your, yeah. your, blood, your blood boiling? <laughs> well, many things, Margot. Um, integrity is huge. I just, oh, so much in that. I, I went to Women's March down in Canberra. Oh, um, yeah, me too. Yeah, that was amazing. Uh, that was possibly my first really political stance, you mm. know, come very um, privileged background and I had thought as a you know growing up in the 70s and the 80s I thought a lot of a lot of issues had been um, fought and progress was made and I mm. started to see that wasn't the case at all mm. actually um, and having two teenage daughters feeling like what what am I doing for them like they're just dealing with the same world that I I'm dealing with and that's that's not okay um so yeah attending women's march was that was amazing event wasn't it it was so again just really collaborative and positive moment um and so if yeah frustrated with the lack of integrity in our all levels of government very tired of seeing those scandals and you know what tired of going oh yeah what do we expect Honestly, why do we even? That's that that reaction in itself is just poor, isn't it? That we're just so, you know, inured to it. Um, You know, lack of action on climate change. Just everyone I meet wants real action and has wanted it for a long time. Instead of, I mean, the federal government was obviously an example of, but this government. You know, they talk it up, but we're still we're still approving coal and gas projects. We're still logging native forests. We're not protecting our natural environment and our biodiversity. I just I don't know how many more natural disasters we need to have for people to understand the crisis that we're in. And it, we can't think of this as a five, ten year. Oh, we'll do something about it. We've got to be doing it now. You, you said to me, we, we had a chat just before, and you said um, you, you you were very disappointed that, that Gladys was like all the rest and thank God mm. thank God she was gone because you wouldn't have to vote for Anthony Roberts anymore. I, I just wanted to ask you, why did you keep voting Liberal? 
Yeah, look, that's a really good question, Margot. And and I have to say, I look at that now and, you know, you make decisions at a point in time for whatever reasons. It's easy to look back and, you know, um, question those and regret them and possibly even feel ashamed of them. Um, I look back now and think there was definitely a, a election for Howard. I shouldn't have voted for him. Um, and I look, I think at a state level, I I really, I thought Mike Baird was a good premier and I did think that Gladys was a really good premier. I really like, I really admire her and, and I really admired how she brought together, you know, a, a disparate sides, but they were they were focused and they, they seemed to be heading in the right direction. And then when we saw her resign and, you know, I think we were all so used to standing there for those 11 o'clock press conferences with Gladys and Kerry and, and how reassuring they were and how wonderful it was I found to see two, I thought, pretty formidable women hosting those press conferences during COVID. And, yeah, when she stood up there, I was so disappointed. I was disappointed for her. I was disappointed that she couldn't see that it just just didn't pass the test. Mm. And I did think, oh, no. Uh, you know, we thought we thought she was like a head prefect, wasn't she? She was, we just thought <laughs> she was above it all. Um, and isn't it funny, you know, you hold those people to such a high standard Um that you don't accept even the smallest fall, um, you know, whereas someone like John Barillaro, it's like, oh, yeah, well, you know, it's Barillaro. Um, yeah, but, but so by the end of that press conference of watching her and being really disappointed um, and that I then went, well, well, that's great. I don't have to vote for Anthony Roberts, who I hadn't enjoyed voting for because um, I didn't see that his views aligned. He, with the community and I knew lots of people felt that way. Yeah, so so let's get to, to Lane Cove. It's it's a very wealthy suburb um, mm-hmm. uh, on the on the uh, North Shore. Now, well, the electorate runs from Greenwich all yeah. the way out to Putney, so it's quite diverse. Oh, you right. Know, the, you know, Greenwich is a very, you know, is affluent, very um, little liberal thinking, very artistic um, You've got Longerville and Northwood um, and Hunters Hill, which obviously, you know, big, beautiful homes and, and you know, obviously a wealthier part of our, our, our city. Um, areas around Lane Cove, Lane Cove North, uh, Gladesville, Putney, up to, to North Ride. So it's, it, you know, there's, there's a big amount of apartment living, renters. It's, um, it is diverse. And you have, I understand, a, a bit of Benelong, um, across, yes. over over the river, which is sort of yeah. completely separate in a way than from the rest of the seat. Well, I mean, it's joined. With, you know, geographically, it's almost yeah. we've got two yeah. bridges. Yeah. It's almost we've got these like three peninsular things happening. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the part of Benelong, which is Gladesville, Putney, Tennyson, um, bit of North Ride, is yeah, falls federally under that seat, so wasn't. Um, part of the North Sydney independent movement, not part of um, mm. Kylie Tink's North Sydney campaign. They did have a Voices of Benelong run there, but um, they had a strong candidate in Jerome Luxal federally who was a former mayor. 
Um, and, you know, that was an interesting dynamic of John Alexander retiring and mm. and a local, uh, you know, a good local candidate coming up. Um, so he got, at the, at the last election, he got a, a minus 5.35% primary swing with a, a good nearly 12% from Richard Quinn, Amazing an independent. Habits, yeah. So mm. it's it's a bit there. Mm. Um, but he ended up minus 3.5 and won 50, uh, 51.8 on primary. So in theory, if you could, if you could get him get him down to, to 43 or whatever, uh, you, you have got a shot. It's also a pretty proud seat. It's got two former Liberal um, leaders, John Dowd mm. and Kerry Chikorovsky. Yep. It's got the Kylie Tink experience now. I, I can see I can see how you could win it except for optional preferential mm-hmm. voting, which is an absolute killer for an independent because yep. obviously you want to yep. finish second, you want to harvest all those preferences. So what are you doing to ensure that enough Green and Labor voters vote for you, one, mm-hmm. and those that stay with their normal parties put you two and don't leave it blank? Yeah, that's, it, you know, Margot, it's, it is our biggest barrier, um, optional preferential voting. As you know, federally, other than Helen Haynes and Zali Stegall, all the other um, community independents got in on preferences, yeah. um, which is pretty standard when they were a first time running. So it is a huge mountain we have to climb. Mm-hmm. Um, it is possible as you've just said, it is achievable with a lot of hard work. We are trying to educate our electorate. Look, 85% of the electorate do put their preferences. So we're, you know, it's an educated. Really? Yeah, it's a smart electorate. Yeah. Um, They're informed. But that 15%, you know, when it's coming down to it, um, that 15% is is really critical because we're dealing with small numbers of votes here that are going to get us across the line. Um. You know, I mean, Kathy McGowan's such an ex- excellent example of that. 500 votes, got her in. So what are we doing? Trying to meet as many people as we possibly can. You know, door knocking, banner waving, out and about, flyering, just getting recognition, letting people know there's an alternative to the two-party system, which I think is incredibly important for people to know it doesn't have to be this continual red and blue race all the time. Um, I, I do feel like this is, you know, a safe seat because there hasn't been an alternative because people in this seat won't necessarily vote Labor, um, but they are interested in something else and they want something else. I am getting, I am getting, all the feedback I'm getting is positive. I mean, you know, that's the people I talk to. You, you get the, <laughs> you, you, you get the rusted arms. Um and that's okay. Everyone's different, but there is real appetite for change and for an alternative. And we are talking to those people who are, um, you know, if they can't in their heart vote strategically. And I think the federal election has really made people aware of strategic voting and what that what yeah. that means. And, and hopefully, it's this is something that's a bit of a bugbear of mine actually. People talking about what are you doing for your preferences? Well, I'm doing for my preferences what I'm voting that day because they're your preferences. Mm. You know, like this concept that a party or a candidate 
they're their preferences. They're not. Each individual preferences. This idea that there's this sort of special deal that's done and people don't have control over the, their preferences, I think that comes about from a lot of misinformation and um, and that idea of you just voting for a part, one party and they tell you what to do. I really want to see more engagement and understanding that you have the control of what numbers you put in that box. Nobody else does. And so what we're saying is if you're voting for me, you care about climate, you care about integrity and you care about the community. So put your preferences where those values align. So I, I gather that you've um, – fundraising is a very big – it's another problem for you. Mm-hmm. It does seem to be geared ag- against independence, and, <laughs> yep. to, to, to say the least. You, yep. You've got a 198k cap. Um, how much have you raised? Uh, we've raised close to 130. And yep. actually, so it's 198,700. And then there's yep. a little bit extra that can go to non, um, non-cap expenses. So the lease of our office. Yep. and trans- some transaction costs. Yep. So we actually need to raise about $124,000. Yep. Um, so we're over halfway. Yep. Yeah, we need another about, you know, ninety-five to yep. raise. Um, the maximum any individual or company can donate is $3,300. <laughs> so it's it, we're not getting in, you know, we're not raking in um, massive donations here. And we've got something like 157 unique donors. So that's a lot of small donations that we've got. And I gather food parties are basically ruled out too under the donation laws. So Climate 200 can't throw you a couple of hundred K. So what they've done is they've just said, you know, here are the candidates we like to donors. Could you please send some money? Now, how much of that 130 is from Climate 200 donors? Uh, it's about 40. Yeah. So um, So it's basically quite local. It's a local campaign. Very local. Yeah. Very local. Very local. Um, I've got to say, you know, the first donation we got was a friend of mine, um, mum from the primary school, it was a sizable donation. Um, yeah, sorry, I get a bit emotional about it. Yeah, that's, really, that's mm. big. Mm-hmm. Huge, uh, very humbling. And very, and then seeing some other donations come in from names I recognise of people in my, not like super close friends, people in my broad circle, people I knew at primary school or we know around. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. It's, that's that's a big feeling. Yeah, it's, it, it, 100% it's a big feeling. And um, then people involved. In I the believe campaign. in you, Victoria. I, yes, the pressure <laughs> wow. is. You know, I know, I know. Um, it's a huge driving force. And then people who are involved who sort of come into the campaign and then suddenly they sort of want to do a bit of volunteering and then suddenly they're doing enormous amounts and then suddenly they're donating money and you're like, wow. So it's very grassroots, um, which is fantastic and it's what representative democracy is about, isn't it? Like listening to our community, finding out what people are concerned about and doing something about it. Yes, well, you've got... Uh, Kristen as your campaign manager and Denise as your your comms, comms. so yep. they're they're starting to build up some pretty pretty good experience. Yes. Um, but I gather you've got a, basically a team of about thirty 
tech yeah. and all sorts of yeah. stuff, all volunteers so, basically. How many yeah. door knockers and banner wavers and, and sort of regular volunteers have you got? So we've got about 160 volunteers have signed yeah. up um, with more coming. It would be fantastic if we got over 200. Um, and we just need, and, and, you know, if, if all those volunteers just did a few things, whether it be flyering, waving a banner, putting a call flute out, we've got over 200 call flutes out um, on houses, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, we've got a core team of people who one of my closest friends, her husband, is doing the finance lead. And, um, again, like the amount of time he's dedicating and the, yeah. the trust and the faith they have in me, very overwhelming, but also energising at the same time. Um, it, it builds on each other, you know, it, and it's a good thing. So there's been a, obviously, for, for timing reasons, a modification of the, the normal I suppose, uh, process of you go out, you listen, you, t- you say what the community wants, then you find mm. a candidate. Because of the necessary rush, um, North Sydney Independent um, chose you. And, and, and then h- how did you develop your policy? H- how did mm. you find out what the community wanted mm. and, and put it all together? Yeah, I mean, look, in, in terms of I'm st- – from a standing start, but we did know what most of the community cared about, in fact, because we saw that federally. Yeah. You know, um, action on climate change, integrity, representation. And, you know, we could see from what happened in the part of the electorate that covers Benelong that they wanted change as well. Yeah. And they were wanting community representation because they chose a, a mayor, a local, you know, former mayor. Um, so we started on that base level and that conversation has resonated and hasn't changed. We haven't had to and it's interesting you know wearing our you know turquoise colored t-shirts when you go knocking at the door and you introduce yourself as a community independent there is an immediate assumption that you you value climate and integrity mm. it's already built in you you know you, you can have a conversation around it but the conversation then progresses to other things quite quickly mm. um, integrity does come around I think you know I'm not telling you something you don't know if I say that New South Wales, Governments of both sides have integrity issues. Um, with, yes. New South Wales has been deeply scarred by previous Labor government um, yeah. and are seeing what's happening, you know, with a, a Liberal government. Um, so, yeah, integrity really rings strong, yeah. even with the existence of an ICAC. You yeah. know, John Barillaro still thinks he can create a job for himself. <laughs> and I, I just... I mean, imagine what would happen if we didn't have ICAC. Yeah. I, I tell you, I loved your policy of um, legislation to insist that grants be merit-based. I mean, yeah. I don't know about you, I, I'm just so mm-hmm. – I, I was sickened when it, the auditor found that Barillaro oh. delivered bushfire grants on the basis of, 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 of party interest. Um, that That's a, a big one. But the other one, I'm, other ones I'm really interested in um, – is the uh, you, you'd like a, a native forest logging to end mm-hmm. and a transition and an ending in 2024, and also no new coal and gas. Um, you, you've already had a big win. You were one of the people mm. that signed up yep. to a bill to ban yep. offshore drilling to stop PEP 11, and yep. lo and behold, the government has oh. jumped. <laughs> yep, um, surprise. Yeah, I, I think gambling the same. Yes. 
Um, very Look, big the- push by the Indies because based on community. Yep. So, so there's something's happening there. Um, how do you read the, the the vibe at the moment on 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 the how they're trying yeah. to keep you out? So, okay, you raised some really great things there. Pep 11 is a really good one. We could see that coming down the line. You know, Justin Fields drafted a piece of legislation uh, or a bill, sorry, um, of which Alex Greenwich and other independent candidates could get behind. We could see that coming, mm-hmm. you know. So if we could see it coming and do something about it, we know that the, um, you know, what, what, what was the Liberal government doing? Just crossing their fingers and hoping that the federal government will do something about it. So a big win there and... They copied just, you. They, they just well, copied you. Like, But, you know, wow. it doesn't... Yeah. Yeah, well, it just shows, isn't it? When people go, oh, what can independents do? Well, independents do an enormous amount and we're seeing it. You know, Alex Greenwich, Greg Piper, Joe McGurr, on the crossbench currently do some amazing work. You would be aware of the follow the dollar legislation that Greg Piper got up that follows the dollar, that allows the Auditor General to follow the dollar in public expenditure. Mm. It's just a really, you would think, pretty basic requirement. But um, it's, it's this sort of work that an independent can do. They can, and gambling you raise is a really good case in point. I have... No gambling interests whatsoever. There is no one, no gambling lobby group has ever given me money. My power does not come from them. Um, I am purely here for the community. And door knocking, gambling kept coming up as it's great that we're finally doing something about it. When you dig down and you don't even actually have to dig, when you just no. finally saw the Liberal policy, it was pretty weak. I mean, the Labor policy is so weak, we don't even need to talk about it. Tri- cashless gaming trial. Look, we don't mm. need a trial. We know the, you know, but a cashless gaming trial of five hundred machines when there are eighty six thousand machines in the state. I mean, you'd be hard pressed to find those five hundred machines. You'd have to go looking for them. Um, and then the 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 liberal policy is not going to come into effect until twenty twenty eight. So you have to elect yeah. them this time, yeah. and then next time. Yeah. It, so it's fantastic. And this is what I love about the community independent movement is that we can actually get change that the community wants. Yeah. It's not about what's going to further my career. It's not about what is going to ensure donations. It's not what's going to keep an industry um, happy. So yeah. that is um, – and I'm going really hard on gambling because, honestly, Margo, I've got nothing to lose, absolutely yeah. nothing to lose. Everything we've got, the community's got everything to gain. Yeah. And just imagine – if we can get this to happen. It's, it's I, extraordinary. I, I, I couldn't Absolutely believe it when Perrottet came out. I mean, I remember Andrew Wilkie signing up with um, Julie Gillard and in the end she just yeah. she just couldn't, the, the money. But see, the you're power. not, yeah, you're not funded by the big three, you no. know, mining, no. developers and, and yep. gaming. Um, no. And it's sort of like, whoa, like if, if mm-hmm. the local community can get you there with fundraising, you know, there's a show. Now, the other reason... Um, I, but just uh, going back to that, isn't sorry. that isn't that what it's meant to be? Like that is what it's yeah. meant to be. <laughs> you know, people kind of go, "Oh, these independents—they're changing things." No, we're not. We're, it's nothing revolutionary at all. We're taking it back to what it is meant to be—a community representative standing in parliament and saying, "This is what my community wants." It's not 
fifth down the list in the priorities. Yeah. And I do, this is, I get very passionate about this because representative democracy is incredibly precious. People die for this right. You know, so, it's, it, we, we, sh- we should not just uh, squander it or just think, oh, this is the way things always are. No. We so, have to take care of it. So the bloke you're up against, Anthony Roberts, mm-hmm. he's been around for about 20 years, I think, mm-hmm. and he's, he's sort of like a – I just sort of see him as a bit of an Abbott figure in, in mm-hmm. Moringa. Like mm-hmm. he, he voted against euthanasia. He voted against mm-hmm. decriminalising um, abortion when he Actually, became – Actually, he, he strongly opposed the decriminalisation of abortion. Strongly yes. opposed. Yes. And when he did say My the God. community – I know, and the community voices he did listen to were all religious groups. Now, I'm not saying they don't have a role to play and obviously they represent part of the community, but they are not the entire community. And you cannot say you've listened to a community when you've only listened to a small number of groups. And then, of course, when he became planning minister, he abolished his predecessor's Mm. reforms to encourage sustainability and new developments like so he's, he's obviously doesn't give a damn about climate change uh, I assume that you're running fairly hard on on that line that this this particular MP simply does not, does not represent your values at all Max um, uh, you just dropped out there so I've asked the question and yes yeah, sorry I was just trying to get the dog to be quiet um Exactly, Margot. My conversations with the community, whether it be door knocking, flyering, it doesn't matter. I'm hearing very different things to what Anthony Roberts is representing in Parliament. The complete opposite, 180. Um, I haven't heard a positive thing about him uh, and I'm not running a negative campaign and it's not personal, but when people come up to me and say he has to go, he doesn't represent us. Mm. You know, that that's – and that's just not one-off. This this happened on the, the, the morning I, my announcement was made and I walked up to get some bread for the kids because it had all been so crazy I didn't actually have anything for their lunch. And so I walked <laughs> up early in the morning to go and get um, what I needed and I ran into someone who I know just from the dog park and she went, you know, grasped me on the shoulder and said, thank God mm. we need something, a change. He mm. has to go. Uh, You know, for someone who in his maiden speech talks about limited government involvement in people's lives, Mm. the vote against voluntary assisted dying Mm. and the vote against decriminalising abortion Mm. do not reflect those values. They reflect um, an ideology that... um, is not in line with people having the right to choose what they do with their body. Well, for me, it's pretty simple. Is, is, is it, he doesn't represent smaller liberal values, which are the values of these these blue ribbon seats. And the party probably since John Howard um, took over from John Hewson has moved steadily away from smaller liberalism to the extent that it, it has no power federally. But, I mean, it does have a bit of power in, in, in New South Wales, a la oh, Gladys, etc. So you're in an, an easier position, I think, than, than some other seats where community independents oh. are standing because they're up against moderates, whereas you're up against 
hardcore yeah. Abbotsville. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, he, he, there's an Abbot likeness to him, a Morrison likeness to him. Um, yes, and I think there's very much people like me who 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 have voted that way previously because we could see what we could get at the leadership level. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I recognise that. I've, I've done that myself. Um, but now, and the more I'm finding out about things, the more despair I have. But in terms of the little liberal, and we see that federally and we're seeing that play out state-wise, an abandonment of a core group of people for what? For chasing something at the extreme. I don't understand it. Um, it's not like the party hasn't been given any warning. They were given warning before May 2022. And if if they didn't see that happen at May 2022 and take action on it, I was mm. actually really quite surprised that Anthony Roberts was standing again. This will be now, his fifth term. Yep. And I was very surprised. Like, now, why wouldn't you, if you're wanting to reinvigorate your party, if you were wanting to say to the electorate, we've heard you, you know, run uh, someone like me? Oh, look, I, I think the reason is that we've all seen there's a, there's a straight-up outright civil war going on. And mm-hmm. I guess if, if voters take a stand and say, no, I'm going to go for a small L liberal, liberal independent, that will... That that will that will hopefully sort of alter the power balance a little bit, I guess. Look, you know, wouldn't that be amazing? I, I, I just and I'm meeting people. I actually met someone at the past the other day who is a member of the Liberal Party and said I just can't keep voting for them. Hmm. She said I just, I've, you know, they've had enough time to change. Why won't why aren't they listening? Um, okay, so it's, it's I... quite a lot of despair. For those for yeah. those voters, for those people who believe, and I I get it. It's really, um, it's not easy when you've kind of grown up going, "This is a party that represents me." To then wake up and go, "Hold on a tick," they no, they don't. So where mm. do I go? Mm. Um, yeah. Can I can I just get personal for a little while? Um, so you t- you turned fifty in in November last year. So you, you're having a um, a tumultuous and exciting fifty first year, <laughs> but you have got three yeah. youngish kids. How old are your kids? Yep, sixteen, fifteen, and eleven. Right. So, uh, what, what was it, what was their opinion of 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 mum sort of doing something completely different? Um, they were. So incredibly proud. Um, yeah, sorry, it's quite emotional because it's a huge, um, uh, you know, change in our family. And when I did, you know, I was just back to my husband about, you know, this we took, we're having a lot of conversations. And when quite early on I involved the children in the discussion because it, it impacts them. Mm. And nothing else but huge amounts of support and pride. Um yeah, when my 16-year-old bought me teal nail polish. <laughs> um, and after the official launch the other week, gave me the most amazing hug and just said, I'm so proud of you. Um, you know, that's what I'm doing this for. I can't yeah. keep... I've, a number of years ago, I remember thinking all the things I'm teaching my children, you know, being respectful, listening, 
being compassionate and kind. Um, if there's someone treating you badly or someone bullying a friend of yours, you stand up to that and you, you, you know, you live your life by a set of principles. And then I remember talking to a friend of mine saying, am I setting them up for failure? Because what do we see in our leaders? Mm. We do not see these traits. Mm. We see the opposite. We see this ruthlessness and this competitiveness and this, you know, um, almost like caring is a negative and a weakness. Mm. Um, and I just think, well, you know, be the change you want to see and be the role model you want to see because my children and all our children deserve better than some of the leaders we have. You know, I found it really interesting, you know, if you look at the, the teals that got up basically around your age, young kids, um, youngish kids it's it's something that's why I think it's mm. a bit of March for, March for just to see it's sort of mm. got people just Ugh! maybe I can think of something I never thought of before um it, it's it, it's it's just completely fascinating and then the other thing mm. that's that that is in common with all those women is um uh, most of them is 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 very supportive husbands um yeah, like I am. What yep. you just couldn't conceive of doing this unless your partner was prepared to step up. So, so what's what's been his um, opinion of all this? So, my husband, he's a Kiwi. Uh, he's Australian citizen now, but he was born in New Zealand. Um, he's never been political, um, and you know, Kylie's campaign. I wore a t-shirt. I was involved. He wasn't, you know, he voted for Kylie, but he wasn't involved. Um, we have. A uh, core flute of mine on the front door of the clinic. Um, core <laughs> flutes on the the back. He is talking to every single patient about me at both <laughs> at our Lane Cove and our Brookvale practices. He wears his t shirt all weekend, every weekend around. He is, um, uh, uh, yeah, you know, I've all, we've often joked. Um, I've often joked to him that I knew he was good when I married him. I just didn't realise how good. Right. Um, he's, uh, twenty. We've been married twenty years, and um, I, yeah, incredibly lucky person I am to have met him and to be married to him. Someone who is picking up all the slack. Um, he was talking to me something about one of the kids' music lessons the other day, and I just said, I, I, "Sorry." You're gonna to have to do it. I just can't. And he's like, "That's okay. Sort it out." Um, so yeah, I'm very lucky. Um, and I think the age thing. Look, my little boy, my 11 year old, he loves David Attenborough. Is his hero. Nature documentaries yeah. are his favorite thing. And a number of years ago, he had to stop watching them because they just got too upsetting for him. Yeah. The, the level of anxiety, um, too much. Mm. And you know, he said to me, "If I can save the koalas." then, you know, he's more than fine with me not being around as much just for a little bit. Well, I know you haven't got time, but um, I'd love you to come up to one of the direct actions on the Mid-North Coast. Oh. <laughs> it's it's yeah, completely wild. And I'm so glad that you and other independents are, are supporting mm. that cause. Um, okay, I'd like to finish with this. It strikes me that... Just before, before we Sorry. finish on that, talking about koalas, Catherine Cusack is a huge inspiration. Yeah. I think she a remarkable woman. Yeah, but what a remarkable woman. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I just think, 
I look at someone like her, you know, who's older than me and I see what she's been through and, you know, she was promised all the, 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 all the things we thought were achievable and, yeah. and she has lived that journey and good on her for standing up to her principles, yeah. calling it out, being transparent, being authentic, never, um, never not being her. I, yeah. I find her a, quite an inspirational woman. Yeah. Um, so it strikes me that you're, you're not an extrovert. You, you don't think? Okay. Uh, do you think so? I don't know. I love talking to people um, and I love, I'm more than happy standing up in front of a group of people talking to people. That doesn't bother so me. So you haven't had to overcome. It, it just strikes me that being a regular person with a regular yeah. life and all of a sudden yeah. having to, uh, it's me, Please buy me. I'm the brand. I, know, it's um, I imagine there would have been nerves. And so, so how is how has that been for you personally to, to start on on this yeah, crazy yeah. journey? Look, you kind of have to. Um, the kids found it very odd seeing my face on things. Mm-hmm. You know, my son was like, "Oh," but then you kind of you, you get a bit used to it. Um, it. There is a bit of that getting used to it. I do find it. Um, I, I don't know. I just keep thinking of the bigger picture and honestly I don't actually think it's about me. We have this incredible group of volunteers around. Mm. It's a team. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do when I, I was talking to somebody about our campaign and someone said, Oh, who who's the other candidate you're talking about? I said, No, I'm meaning I don't like calling it my campaign. It's our campaign because it mm. really is. It's I'm just the voice, I'm just the person's face and the facilitator of taking that voice from the community and the movement up. But the work that people are putting into this mm. is I have never experienced anything like it. And the, this is a whole group of people who have never worked together before, mm. all from different areas of life, all different school, skill sets, suddenly come together, fill the gaps, um, work out where their strengths are, where they can – it's – the initiative, the motivation, the determination, it's um, – Nicolette Buller said to me as I met with her when I was trying to decide whether to do this, and she's mm-hmm. – what an amazing woman she is. Yeah, absolutely. Great, yeah, really phenomenal person. Uh, and she said it was, a, it was the volunteers that kept her going and that mm. will make her go again. And I was, didn't really sort of – I was like, oh, okay, you know. I, I, I get it. I completely get it. Yeah. really just until you're involved in it and you see these people you know a lot of them are retired because they've got the time uh who've done amazing things that bring you know people who've worked in saving koalas people who've worked in social housing people from it backgrounds and finance and um ex-journalists like the array of people who all believe we can do something better who who are passionate about it and are really positive. It's just, um, yeah, so the, uh, yes, it is an odd thing to set up and do if you really think about it. Um, and my life is not necessarily going to be the same and I can't go to the supermarket in my daggy clothes anymore. Yes, you um, can. Yes, you can. Just be you. Just be you. Um but you know how Don't great dress up to go to the supermarket, Victoria. No, but I, you know, I can't just, you know, we'll just. Start, I was going to say I can't just, you know, walk out in my gardening gear. But 
I can't do that anyway because I haven't been doing any gardening. Um, <laughs> you don't even want to see what's going on in the veggie patches. Um, but, yeah, look, but this is more, t- more of this. You know, I yeah. think that's the problem that we've had, isn't it, is this career politician, people Absolutely. coming up through various, uh, on both sides, through various All sorts pathways. of deals, all sorts yes. of compromises, all sorts of shut up and you'll get a big job that, you know, it, it's tribal and it, it's not looking after the people. It's, the simp- it's not looking after, it's not being, they're not gar- guardians or stewards, stewards of the public interest. Margot, you know? it's exactly that as a... As a government who are a steward of the of the land, of the community, of the resources, um, and you must show stewardship. And we don't see that. I think the current issue with Peter Poulos in the, um, I mean, just again, you know, someone was explaining to me, oh, it's because he was a staffer for Keen and this and that. It's like, sorry, sorry, you don't spread around porn, porn images in Parliament. What organisation is that okay? Yeah. Like if my my son's eleven, but imagine if he was sixteen and did that, he'd be expelled from school. It's you interesting. Know, just... It's interesting the types. Like it's happening in British politics and American politics too. Is you're getting like really bad people, like really horrible people. It's as though politics has got to the extent where only really horrible people want to stand. Mm. Which and we've got and, you to know, that, yeah, that well, you know, that really informed me too because you know, trying to deciding to do this, I'm not going to lie, there were a lot of sleepless nights too. I really, bet, I bet. you know, why am I doing this? Um, and then I really settled on the thought that fear should not be a reason for you to make a decision, you, you just should not make a decision because you're scared of something. So, deciding not to do it because I was fearful that's not valid. You know, where is the dignity and the courage in that? So what are, you've got one life. I want to get to the end of my life and go, I did everything I could to make my world, my family's world, the part of the world I live in better. I want to know that I've done everything I could, that I pushed myself. Um, and I'm not going to lie there and go, oh, I wish I'd done that. I should have done that. Um so maybe that is the, the hitting 50. Maybe that is the kind of moment of going, you know what, I've done all this great stuff, but, you know, there's hopefully another 40 years ahead, who knows. Um, what are you going to do to make it count? And, uh, yeah, so every time when I ummed and ahed and thought about it, um, I just kept coming back to the reasons not to were just not good enough. There were far greater reasons to do this. Thank you very much for speaking with me. Absolutely delighted to meet you and best of luck. I mean, wow, I I just think Lane Cove deserves you. Oh, that's really lovely. (laughs) Whatever happens on the 25th, you know, if we wake up our community, if we re-engage them, then we have won. Yeah. No? Totally. Yeah. Go well. Thank you, Margot. Lovely to meet you. Thanks for the time. Thank you for listening and hope you enjoyed this No Fibs podcast. Until next time, goodbye.